Hello and welcome to Adventures in Venueland, an EAMC podcast. This is your all-access pass to go backstage and behind the scenes with some of the brightest minds that cross the scope of the live entertainment industry. I'm Dave Rettelberger. And I'm Paul Hooper. We'll introduce you to some of our favorite people as we dive deep into the world of live touring shows and the venues that host them. Heading to Wisconsin for today's adventure and joining us is Dustin Gotze. He's the Chief Marketing Officer, uh, Milwaukee Bucks uh, Inc. and Pfizer Forum. Dustin, how you doing? Doing great, Dave. Paul, good to see you. Good to see you. Yeah. Tell me, tell me what this last year has been like. I mean, everybody we talked to, what has the past year been like? But you have had a past, you know, 18 months like no other. It has been, yeah, I mean, I think you know, it's, it's almost feels like we're aging in dog years a little bit for this last 18 months. <laughs> Obviously, everybody has has their stories and, and challenges and, you know, dating back to, to March of 2020. But, you know, to go through, you know, not only the, on, on the arena side, but then the team side to be in the, the bubble and, and that whole experience and and then to, you know, come out of, of that, come right back into a, a new NBA season to, to host a Christmas day game uh, for the first time in, in 40 years, but to do it as, as one Jeez. of the 50 people that were in the stands watching, it was sort of surreal. And then, you know, just going through ramping back into welcoming people into the building and, and, you know, culminating in a hundred thousand people outside of our arena and another 20, 18,000 inside for our world championship. It's been, it's been a whirlwind for sure. Definitely all the highs and all the lows. Like I think a lot of people got a little more of the lows, but at least you all have a ring to uh, cap it all off with and kind of uh, wash the rest of it down. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we, we kind of talk about, you know, we, now, if we ever get to do this again in a normal year, hopefully, you know, this year is a little bit more normal. We'll, we'll definitely know how to do it because we've, we, we learned how to do it in basically the most trying circumstances you could, you could go through. What were things like at Fiserv, you know, over the past, you know, year and, you know, kind of the, the challenges that you guys had, you know, going from, you know, really zero to not zero to 60, but like zero to a thousand. Yeah. I mean, that was, you know, really the the big challenge is how you ramp up. And, and you know, I mean, I think the, the whole thing has been interesting for us over the last 18 months because we were really only open for 18 months. So we were still in in the middle of kind of our honeymoon of of you know that first couple of years of, of shows coming through and you know we'd had an incredible first season you know outside of of the Bucks going to Eastern Conference Finals but just the number of concerts we booked the you know it's hard to believe it was coming on three years already you know we had a an opening week of a Bucks home opener Metallica Foo Fighters the Eagles Twenty One Pilots um, and to go from that sort of high to you know nothing and, and canceling 15, 20 shows uh, in, a, in a fell swoop. And then, you know, like I said, kind of coming back, we had, so, you know, from a buck side and, and on, on the building side, you know, we did, we spent a lot of time, you know, working on, on kind of our mobile ordering, our fan experience, like taking some of the, our digital roadmap, you know, down the road and accelerating that. So we, we were able to use that. And, and then as we came back with bucks, um, you know, one of the nice things is we actually had an opportunity as we staggered in. We we started with 500 fans for a few games. We got up to 25 percent, or you know, 1,800 people, and then kind of into 3,000. It was it was a 
one of the benefits of it was we were able to kind of stress test some things and some processes yeah. and material. So that was one of the, the positives that came out of it from that standpoint. But I think, you know, the big challenges is as everyone has had is, as things started to come back online and we start getting people in is, is how you ramp up quickly, how you staff, um, you know, staffing issues have, have certainly been a challenge here as they've been, you know, throughout the country as you go through. And I think, you know, timing and and working with the city has been was probably the most interesting piece of of all that in in as we got into to playoffs and and start getting our security plans in place getting our, our plans in place for for staffing for ticketing you know we we quickly went from you know being told we we wouldn't have more than 25% capacity probably through the entirety of the playoffs to the day after we sent out season ticket information and, and told people new locations and, and limited number of games getting word that we were going to get bumped to 50%. And then a couple Jeez. days after getting bumped to 50% being told what date we we're going to go to hundred percent. So it was a, a very accelerated ramp up and, you know, kind of, you know, rolling plans and, and things that, that we didn't have in place, which was sort of the, the exciting part. And then, you know, deciding to, to reopen Deer District and, and have all of our outdoor events, which became just a, a massive, you know, beyond our, our wildest dreams in terms of what what those crowds ended up looking like and, and what that turned out to be. Uh, we never could have imagined as we were rolling into playoffs at, at the end of April, beginning of May, that that would even happen, let alone, you know, turn into what it did. As much as every market's different, every state's different on, you know, how they ramped things up and scaled things down and, you mentioned, you know, working with the state, working with the city and all those officials. Was there some benefit of having some level of consistency on the NBA side that provided you with an advantage when you were looking at concerts and bringing back, you know, other types of live events because you sort of had that experience of working with the NBA and what, you know, details they had across all their venues yeah, for sure. I think, you know, we had a number of people from our team, from game entertainment to, you know, our GM down working with the NBA even during the bubble and just being able to, to see, you know, the, the procedures they were putting in place, the, the protocols, back of house, um, that sort of thing. So I think that certainly helped from that standpoint. You know, it became interesting as we got to the playoffs, though, where, you know, there was a lot of consistency across, you know, kind of league, the league on, on what they were looking to do and, and certainly around player safety and what you could do around the court remained very consistent. But even from a league standpoint, it became pretty, pretty clear that every market was going to be different. And, you know, suddenly you have the Miami Heat going to 100 percent capacity, you know, in, in Florida and, you know, a few other markets. So it really became kind of, you know, from a, a general arena operation standpoint, there were definitely guidelines from, from the league, you know, but I think we, we certainly were one of the early ones that, that got to hundred percent capacity and that, that helped us in conversations with, you know, WWE and some of the other promoters coming back quickly out of it that, you know, we had solid procedures in place. We had worked again with the NBA, we had their best practices, but also, you know, we, we really helped kind of drive on, on our side, just working in partnership with the the health department and everything here where, I mean, we, we were doing walkthroughs. We were going through everything with them just to, to really make sure we were kind of locked up with them as we went through. And, you know, I think that certainly has helped us as we've gone into, you know, what, 
all things considered is is actually a pretty busy fall outside of the box. So uh, that's been that's been hugely helpful. You know, you talk about, you know, the situation's changing on a on a moment's notice. And and I find that the key to surviving 2021 has been fluidity, right? And and there's so many people in this industry that you know, have a certain way they like to do things. And this is the way we've always done it. They're, and they're struggling right now because there are still, even as we record this podcast, there are unknowns of what this industry is going to be like in a month or, or what regulations are going to be in place next at next week's shows. So how have you and your staff been able to deal with the fluidity of, of this industry right now? Well, I mean, I think you you hit on it exactly. And that's just being prepared for whatever the eventualities are going to be and, and knowing that there is going to have to be that flexibility. Um, and we've seen that and we've lived through it. You know, as soon as you get a, a plan in place, things are going to change and, and go through. I think, you know, certain that's been, been sort of the, I don't know. I think the, the learning from the last 18 months really is, is that kind of to be prepared for the, the unexpected and, and you know, where, where you used to have, you know, kind of your operational plans and understanding of, of what things are, you know, the, the real challenge now is, everything changes so quickly that, you know, it, it's just continuing to go through and, and hopefully we've gotten to enough of the the different eventualities and, and we've been through enough of the different stages that perhaps now we have some of the the plans to look back on and, and, and learn from and go through. But, you know, again, even a month ago, we, we thought we were on our way out. Right. And, and kind of thinking that, that we were getting close to, and, and we were certainly, much closer to operating like normal. And then, you know, with, with spikes now and, and, you know, testing and vaccination. And again, like you said, Dave, we have no idea what a month from now is going to look like. And I think going into it with that understanding is, is half the battle and knowing that you have to be prepared for things to change. You have to be prepared for, for the unexpected as much as you can and, and just be able to, to roll and go through it. I think there's definitely an advantage that hopefully there's less naivety this time around. Whereas I think everyone, when we first went into this wave the first time, everyone's like, oh, we'll be back in the office in a week or two or, you know, and it's like no one really knew the scale of what was possible and how much it can affect. Whereas I think know now, now Paul. everyone, everyone knows the ceiling. So, so it's kind of at least, you know, you hope we're not going to get anywhere close to that again, but at least they're just now like everyone kind of sees what, what could happen. And so I, hopefully that gives, gives some good perspective as we prepare for any other kind of bumps. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I set my, and I think I, I felt I was being aggressive when I set my teams meetings with staff and that sort of thing to, to expire in two months. Um, at that point in time, I, I wanted to make sure I was covered for that, that whole thing. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's the hope, right. Is that we, we know a lot more about what this is. We know how to, to mitigate things. And, and, you know, I think we all, you know, have that flexibility of, you know, knowing that we can change things. So hopefully we're, you know, out of the, the bulk cancellations and, and shut down. And now we're, we're more to, to understanding how to live and operate with this. Certainly none of us want to go through, go through that, that March again. Dustin, you know, you mentioned it, and, but for folks who, who didn't have the opportunity to tune in uh, to the games, can you explain the deer district? Yes, absolutely. Um, so when we built the arena, you know, part of, of, you know, the, the entire design and, and really, I mean, it, it all comes back to where Pfizer Forum is in Milwaukee and, and sort of what, where it was built, what this entire neighborhood is. Um, it was the, the location of Pfizer Forum. It's 
right in the middle of, of Milwaukee. Uh, we have, you know, 30 acres that we're developing that were, were once a, a freeway that cut through right through the middle of, of Milwaukee was torn down. And, uh, I believe the late eighties or early nineties and it had been sitting undeveloped. That was really a, a divider, a physical, you know, kind of divider of, of our community and, um, you know, from sort of the more urban, you know, north side of the city from the commercial areas downtown and really was a, a challenge for our city of, of really kind of segregating and dividing people. Um, so our hope in building where we did and, and what we were trying to do is, is create a connection um, and kind of a hub for, for the city and, and that sort of, you know, gathering place in, in Milwaukee that, that could, really kind of connect and, and bring people from, from all parts of the city together. So part of that was creating a public plaza right in front of, of the arena. You know, I think one of the misconceptions is from people who did watch on, on TV, the, the thought that this was, you know, the deer district was just the, the fan group and, and sort of this temporary thing that, that got popped up, you know, similar to Jurassic park in, in Toronto, the, the, yeah, the right. kind of build yeah. that in Maple Leaf Plaza outside. But really, this was uh, Deer District is the neighborhood. So this is the in, the entire area that we're we're building and developing uh, with an entertainment district. We have a hotel that that will break ground uh, this fall. A couple more blocks that that we're still working on developing. So this is bigger than than you know the the ten to a hundred thousand people that that came down. But I think that's where where people see this, and and it was really you know great for us to see that vision of that gathering place of that, that place to bring people together from, you know, all walks of life, you know, it's, it's one of the few areas where you can really see true diversity in a crowd in Milwaukee was, was bringing the, these groups together. And it was, it was incredible to see and just the energy that, that developed around that. And I think, you know, for us helped us showcase this city. Um, I don't know you guys remember going into the playoffs, uh, ESPN, made a on, on first take had made a comment about you know, no one wanting to come to Milwaukee for the finals and a, a terrible city got, got thrown out though. They will say it was a little bit out of context, but um, <laughs> you know, I think we, we had an opportunity to, to really showcase what this city is and the way it could come together. And, you know, that was, that was the hope when, when we built this, this building and, and this entire district around it. Isn't it also like a little bit of one of your, babies, like one of your projects too. And something that I I can't imagine, it's easy to go into a team that's already sort of in the middle or successful and sort of ride that wave. But I remember when you joined the Bucks, you all were hyped about being kind of at the bottom and getting the top draft picks. And I remember this one promo you did, which I thought was genius, where you all were mailing out ping pong balls, right? With the Bucks logo on it. And I'm sure that feels like a century ago now where, you know, you were really sort of spinning that underdog thing. And I also remember you all got Giannis and you, you were like posting on your personal social, like, Oh, this guy is crazy. You, you guys will see, you'll see. And no one else knew how to pronounce his name. And now the guy is a household name. He's like one of the biggest stars in the league. And I mean, what is that like to really on not only to be, you know, witness it, but like on a professional level to come in really at that level and see the growth all the way up. 
It's, it's incredible. And, and certainly, you know, it's nice to have a plan come together um, when you really have no control over, over some of that, but a lot of it, but no, I mean, it, it, it was incredible. And I, you know, shared something kind of during the, the Brooklyn series this year when we had 15,000 people out, you know, on the plaza and, and just overlooking it and, and just, you know, kind of made the comment that, you know, literally when, when I got hired here, um, I did a trip to Costa Rica before I started, came back from Costa Rica to find out that then Commissioner Stern had, you know, basically put a, an ultimatum on the, the table saying that, you know, the Bucks had to have a plan for an, a new building in the next two years. So, you know, by 2014, uh, or the, the league wasn't going to let us renew our lease. And so, you know, literally having people tell me in the community, people I was meeting, telling them, hey, I just, you know, started, took over marketing for the Bucks, you know, telling me not to unpack my boxes uh, because we weren't going to be here in two years, right? So, you know, to go from that to, you know, it's funny that you mentioned the the ping pong balls, Paul, like, I mean, that was you yeah. know, that moment, um, you know, that that was the start to our, our Own the Future campaign, which was really the first time that we we started giving people permission to to dream a little bit and to, you know, have expectations um, was right around when new ownership came in. And, you know, our, one of our new owners, you know, literally got the entire staff together on day one after they closed the deal and got everybody together said, you know, we're going to win a championship in Milwaukee. We're going to get a new arena built. If you don't think that is true and impossible, then, you know, you can walk out now, no hard feelings. Right. So it was, um, it feels good to, to be able to, to say that, that we've made good on that. Yeah. Dustin, you know, you uh, have a role there as the, the, the CMO. Um, would you tell me a little about what that role encompasses? And, and in that same note, you know, obviously, you know, you guys have been on the forefront of addressing some of these social issues from a team and, and a, an arena side and kind of how your, your role played into, you know, so many of those big things where, where you guys were a, an industry leader over the past year. Yeah. So um, kind of on the, the first part of that, my role. So I oversee all of our marketing, digital content creation, live events, game ops, um, and then arena marketing, arena. And, Is that and all? So that's it. That's, um, so that's what, what rolls up under, under marketing here. And I think, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a unique setup where, you know, we do have the arena team fully integrated in with, with the team side, you know, it's all kind of shared services going through. Um, before I came here, I came, I was at, in Philadelphia at Comcast Spectacore where, you know, I, I oversaw the arena side of marketing. Um, and then, you know, for global spectrum, our, I was the, the Northeast regional um, director and, you know, worked very closely at the time we owned both the Sixers and Flyers and, and worked very closely with those teams, but there was still always that, that little pull of, you know, sure, sure. Of coming first or, or, you know, where the, the asset allocation came through. And, and I think, you know, one of the things we wanted to build is, as we came through here is, is how we make sure that we're all rolling the, the same direction where, you know, there's no fight from, Gracie, who's our, our director of marketing on the arena side, you know, if she needs promotion in a game, there's, you know, she knows she gets it right. And, and we can work together and, and do that, which I think has been, been really a, a great thing here is as we do that and kind of, you know, understand everybody on the, the team side knows the importance of the shows. Everybody on the show side understands the, the importance of the team and where we can work together and, and make sure we're, like I said, we're all rowing in the same direction. And I think as we get to, got to, you know, 
last summer and and you know really even before that i mean it's, it's sort of been ingrained again as we rebranded the team not only did we set those expectations for the championship culture but you know it was about us being a, a true part of the community and and not just you know going to events and and donating and, and going through but how we actually help you know lead the conversations about the challenges that that our city like a lot of a lot of cities you know throughout the country face and really being a part of those conversations. So, you know, we had an issue um, with one of our players um, and a, a police brutality issue a couple of years back. So that really kind of hit home on, on our side, you know, on the policing side of things. And then obviously last summer as we got into to the George Floyd situation, you know, it was an easy call for us. We were actually the first, possibly the only, I, I'm not actually sure, certainly on the NBA side to, you know, we led a march. You know, we got the community together. We had our players, our owners, our staff with the community in the streets, you know, in, in kind of the, the hiatus before the bubble started. And then, you know, when when Jacob Blake was murdered um, in, in August, obviously kind of right in our backyard, you know, to see our team step up and and really, you know, kind of shut down the sports world again for a couple of days. Right, absolutely. In their decision to to sit out uh, one of our playoff games uh, against Orlando, you know, it was one of those things where it was a, you know, a couple sides of it. Number one was, um, you know, just the, the sense of pride of being a part of an organization where, you know, certainly there were, the, the players acted, they, they did what they're going to do, but, you know, I think they were able to do that without fear of, of retribution and an understanding of, you know, this is who our, what our organization is and, and what we believe in, what, what the culture is that, they were able to do that and immediately, you know, the entire organization stood behind that decision. And, you know, I think that was, that was gratifying to see and, and just a, a real prideful moment to know that that's the kind of organization you're Absolutely. a part of. But then I think it also, you know, from our standpoint, you know, made us realize as, as progressive and, you know, attached to these things as we thought we were, we still weren't even close to, to being where we needed to be just from a, a diversity standpoint, inclusion standpoint, and equity standpoint. So it helped us, you know, coming from a, a place of trying to lead the charge and be progressive to, you know, understanding how much more work there still was to do. Well, the world has been watching Milwaukee and Fiserv and, and you guys have done a, a great job leading the way. I know we're kind of tight on time here today, uh, but before I let you go, I did want to ask you about, there's a, a sign for uh, folks listening to the podcast. There's a sign behind you that says, let's make better mistakes tomorrow. And that's framed on your wall. Tell me what that means to you. That is, I mean, that's one of, you know, I've, I've kind of a, a couple mantras, but that is, that's one of the big ones. And I think that is for me, um, you know, as I manage people and, and my management style and, and just, you know, everything, it's okay to make mistakes. You know, we, we all, especially this, these, these last 18 months, but that's actually a, a piece of art that came with me from Philadelphia. So that's been with me, you know, for, for over a decade now. And I, it is right behind me at my desk. So everybody that comes in meets with me, goes through, that's just kind of the, the place I come from. I, I know we're, you're, we're always figuring things out, especially in this world, especially the last 18 months, but even before that, it's, you're constantly changing. You're constantly having to adapt and, um, you know, it's, it's okay to, to make mistakes as long as you're learning from it and, and, you know, make better mistakes the next day and, and eventually, you know, work your way towards, towards success. So um, that's just been a, a big part of, of my mentality for quite some time. Love that. Love that. 
Yeah, it's so good. Hey, Dustin, before we let you go, uh, any plugs you want to give uh, where people can find you and or the arena team uh, on social, that kind of stuff? Yeah, uh, you know, Pfizer, at Pfizer Forum on on Twitter, Instagram, um, at Bucks uh, in the same places. So, and, you know, love to, to build that following, love the, the support, like I said, that we've gotten from the, the community over the last three years. It's been a, an interesting first three years to a building and, and looking forward to great things to come. I definitely have you on the short list of places we'd love to visit for EAMC and uh, look forward to uh, being able to check out Milwaukee. Not a terrible city in person. <laughs> and, Incredible uh, city, especially in, in June. So we'd love to, we'd love to have those conversations with you. There you go. Absolutely. Hey, Dustin, thanks for making the time for us. And, and a big thanks to everybody for listening to Adventures in Venue Land. Do remember that you can subscribe and find more episodes wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We love your five-star reviews. It helps others find us. Until the next adventure, I'm Dave Rattleberger. And I'm Paul Hooper. Thanks for listening, everyone. Adventures in Venueland is a side project of the Event and Arena Marketing Conference, a nonprofit organization bringing together people in the field of live entertainment to discuss marketing, publicity, and sales trends. Find out more at eventarenamarketing.com. Audio editing and mixing by Camille Faulkner. Design and digital advertising by Megan Ebeck. Copywriting and publicity by Samantha Marker. Guest booking and brand strategies by Paul Hooper. Guest research by Dave Rettelberger. Marketing strategies by Paul Hooper, Megan Ebeck, and Samantha Marker. Thanks for joining us. Until the next adventure.